0: Laura Huizar. Laura is staff attorney at the National Employment Law Project. We've had folks from them on before, NELP. And prior to joining them, she was a Marvin M. Karpatkin fellow with the American Civil Liberty Union's Racial Justice Program. She also completed an Equal Justice Works Fellowship at Latino Justice, where she represented low-wage immigrant workers in litigation and assisted community groups seeking policy change. More than a pleasure to have her with us. Laura, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon and welcome.
1: Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me on the show today.
0: We have a Constitution. One of the things I think sets us apart from other nations is that First Amendment. And in that First Amendment, we have the right to protest if we don't like things that are being done. Yet Americans are turning on their televisions and are looking online, seeing videos on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, of people being arrested, scores of people being arrested for various protests. And right now, there are scores that have been arrested in the Fight for $15 protest, and there are scores that have been arrested since Donald Trump became a president-elect after the November 8th election. So first of all, uh, talk to us about that. I know that there are workers across the nation from fast food chains that are protesting for what I agree with them on and support, which is a $15-an-hour livable wage. They want higher pay, they want union rights, and they want immigration reform. Um, First, this is the first major action these demonstrations have taken since the election, because we've seen demonstrations like this prior, correct?
1: Correct. Today is the, actually the four-year anniversary of the first time that fast food workers walked out of their jobs in New York City. About 200 workers walked out in November of 2012, and today we're seeing thousands of workers in cities across the country, I think at about 20 airports, uh, go out on strikes. So the workers are exercising their First Amendment rights to make it clear to the public, to policymakers, to everyone that it's time to raise wages.
0: And this is something that most Americans, even Republicans, agree with. And I say that because some people think this is just a left, a Democratic uh, thing. One one of of the issues that I was perplexed by is the election prior to and after shows that Americans want job creation and they want to make more money. And one of the things that President-elect Donald Trump said was, hey, Americans are making more money, 15 bucks an hour is too much. He doesn't support that. So, were you surprised not only at the outcome, but with specific regard to this issue, the fight for 15?
1: We haven't been surprised. And this past, in November, with the election, we saw four ballot initiatives in Colorado, Washington, Maine, and Arizona all win, um, or all, uh, they were all adopted by voters. All of these ballot initiatives raised the minimum wage in those states to at least $12 an hour. In Washington, it's 13.50 an hour. Uh, and all of these ballot initiatives won by significant margins. So what we're seeing is workers across the political spectrum making it very clear that workers need increases now. It's time for, for, for policymakers and employers to make, uh, make it possible for workers to live on, on their wage.
0: When we look at fifteen dollars an hour, um, you know, and why this is uh, from uh, fast food chains, this is an area where people who don't have a college degree might get a job, or people um, straight out of school who can't find a job elsewhere, or just you know, come straight out of high school, moms who re-enter the workforce after having children. Um, you know, these, these are, but they're not only you know, you know, entry level positions. It's just there's. There's so much. As a matter of fact, the McDonald's down the street from where I'm sitting right now, they are hiring. But how can somebody go get a job there when it's not enough to pay the bills in major cities like I live in, like Los Angeles?
1: Right. There is a big misconception that low-wage workers or minimum-wage workers in this country are young workers or workers for whom it's their first job. But what we're seeing is that 42% of workers in this country make under 15 an hour They're disproportionately women and people of color. They're primarily or predominantly adults. I think about half of those who make under 15 are age 35 or older. And so all workers at this point are seeing the the challenges, the difficulties of making ends meet with historically low wages. And they're realizing that they they have a right to more. Uh, There is a large pie to be shared in this country we've recovered or we're making a significant recovery after the great recession and workers are demanding more from this country and from their employers
0: with regard to $15 an hour how did that number come about I mean because somebody had asked me that so that's a good question so now I'm throwing it to you
1: Right. That number became a rallying cry in 2012 when those fast food workers in New York walked out on strike for the first time. And it is a number that represents for many workers across the country a wage that is a livable wage, a wage with which they can pay for their basic groceries. They can send their children to school and buy supplies and clothes. Uh, This is a basic wage for most workers. And so it's taken hold across the country we now have seen California, New York adopt statewide $15 minimum wages, and we're seeing more uh, states and cities jump on that on that train. Uh,
0: absolutely, and I'm glad that you pointed out because um, you know, look, my first job out of um, my first job when I was 16 was at a McDonald's, was at a fast food chain. But you're absolutely right. You know, I just went to McDonald's the other day to be honest with my kids. You know, needed something quick, going through the drive-through. And excuse me, when the people working there, you know, um, were clearly people that were old enough to, you know, have families. You know what I mean? They, you know, they were thirties, forties. They, you know, they weren't sixteen by any means.
1: That's right. As I mentioned, about half of workers who are making under fifteen in the country are age thirty-five or older. So it's a total myth uh, what we hear very often from uh, opponents from the business side that the minimum wage only affects young workers. Or workers for whom, who are starting out in the workforce and that it's crucial that we maintain those wages at low levels. Uh, we're seeing families across the country struggle at minimum wage rates. Uh, let's talk
0: about McDonald's. McDonald's has, uh, at least there were targets uh, for the $15 that, you know, are, are, you know, being requested, uh, by those who are working for this, uh, very low minimum wage at these, uh, franchises, fast food franchises like McDonald's. Uh, in 340 cities, the prime rally targets, um, but it's not just fast food industries. Uh, baggage handlers, cabin cleaners, and sky caps at Chicago's O'Hare and in Boston Logan Airport, um, they wanted to demand $15 an hour um and uh the fight for 15 campaign does stretch beyond minimum uh, excuse me beyond the fast food uh industry talk to me about the demonstrators arrested scores of them arrested more than 200 protesters gathered at Zuccotti Park in New York City in the financial district a lot of people may f- be familiar with that park that's one of the uh campsites the first campsites set up a few years ago in 2011 by Occupy Wall Street uh, demonstrators. Uh, They banged drums, they chanted slogans, slogans, but about a dozen protesters uh, were arrested. My sources say, or my research shows that, they were arrested for blocking rush hour uh, traffic, so a couple of things. One, um, uh, you know, are we seeing more arrests with demonstrations, the Fight for 15, or across the board, and even more so since uh, Trump's elections? Or would people say, "Hey, these people are only being, you know, being arrested when they're doing something like uh, blocking uh, traffic, which they're technically not supposed to do?"
1: Well, today is a huge day for workers. It's as I mentioned, the four-day anniversary of the first time workers came out on strike. We've gone from 200 workers protesting to thousands of workers across the country. And what we're seeing today is it's just how important wage increases are to workers and to families everywhere. Uh, We're seeing uh, thousands in some places. And and when you have, obviously, a lot of people gathered in one location to protest, uh, there will be arrests at times. Uh, But that also tells us just how important and how pressing uh, minimum wage increases and the right to unionize are to workers.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with our guest, and we'll continue to talk about this Fight for 15. She has a lot of experience, and we're talking with Laura Huizar, staff attorney at the National Employment Law Project, NELP. By the way, you can follow them on Twitter, at NELP News. Also, also follow on Twitter, the Fight for 15, at Fight for 15, and that's Fight for 1-5. The website for NELP is NELP.org, and there's a website for Fight for 15, Fight for 15, Fight for one Back with Laura, back with you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back only true Democracy in Doc Radio. We are talking with Laura Huizar. She is staff attorney at the National Employment Law Project (NELP), And we are talking about the fight for 15 and more so scores arrested in the first fight for 15 protests since the Trump win. Would you say, Laura, thank you for holding welcome back, that we have more people arrested since Trump was elected, uh, looking over uh, now versus last year in the people protesting nationwide for this fight for 15?
1: Well, it's hard to say. What we're seeing is thousands and thousands of workers come out to protest across the country. Um, There's a lot of attention being paid right now to the message that they're conveying, It's a new administration and a new opportunity to make it clear to policymakers that it's time to raise the minimum wage. Congress hasn't taken action since it passed the last minimum wage law in 2007. So it's it's hard to compare, but it is a a record protest and it's clear that the, the need is great and it's pressing amongst workers all over the country.
0: And the need is uh, great, I would agree, and uh, pressing. Trump had said last year that U.S. workers' wages were too high and made the nation uncompetitive. This year, he's changed his tune and flip-flopped. He said the minimum wage should rise, but he talks about states taking the lead. Um, States aren't taking the lead, though, right?
1: Well, what we're seeing is that some states and some cities and counties across the country have... Responded to workers' demands for higher wages since 2012. Uh, about 20 states and more than 40 cities and counties have enacted minimum wage increases, so that today uh, we're celebrating these protesters celebrating the fact that workers have won about $62 billion in wage raises since November 2012. But we're also seeing that there are 21 states in the country that are still pegged at the federal minimum wage, which is only $7.25 an hour. Uh, Those states are not responding to workers' demands. They're not making a difference for for workers' lives uh, or haven't in the past. And so this is an opportunity to make it clear that we need change everywhere.
0: Let's talk to Paul in Washington, line two, listening on Spreaker, um, which is through our website, lesliemarshallshow.com, a division of iHeartRadio. Paul, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Question or comment for our guest?
2: Okay. Well, uh, some surprising things, but not to your guest because she doesn't know me, but perhaps to you, Leslie, since you do. I think it's time to scrap the federal minimum wage. Get rid of it. I'll tell you why. You know, we keep talking about people who don't vote in their best interests. And I wonder if it's time for Democrats to chuck those people, get rid of them. These people voted for Donald Trump. All we do as Democrats is fight for their for for higher wages and you know they keep they keep depending on long-standing democratic uh, policies that have, have stood for decades such as 40-hour work week, overtime pay, the minimum wage, let the Republicans get rid of it, and you, I, your guests I just heard you say that 21 states are still down to the, at the federal minimum wage of 7.25, which is pathetic, get rid of the federal minimum wage, and those wages will go even lower, maybe then they'll realize that the Republicans are not in their favor, and on the other side of the, uh, of the coin, so to speak, the blue states, such as Washington State, where the $15-an-hour all that started, they're, our minimum wages are not going to go down because they're still at a state-by-state level. So it's about time to stop protecting these idiots who keep voting, voting for Republicans. And, you know, by the way, you may not know this, but there is actually a liberal, a progressive precedent for this. Samuel Gompers, no strange name to labor, he was the very first president of the FFL. He was not in favor of a minimum wage, and this was before 1938, before the minimum wage national minimum wage was established, he thought that unions could do better in terms of wages than government, uh, you know, establishing a minimum wage. Of course, uh, you know, we see what happens. Unions have been destroyed, so I don't know where workers are going to go, but they keep depending on the Democratic Party, and I'm about ready to tell them, get lost. I'm not protecting the working ignorant anymore. How do you like that, Leslie?
0: (laughs) Uh, all right, very interesting. I would love to hear what our guest has to say about that. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Paul's uh, proposition, get rid of the federal minimum wage, and that truly would give the power to the state? Or not a good idea.
1: Well, thanks, Paul, for, for calling in and for your question. I think that one interesting thing that came out of this election is that voters in those four states with ballot initiatives that will raise the minimum wage in those states Uh, They voted across party lines. They they all won by significant margins. In Maine, for example, the ballot initiative there to raise the minimum wage to $12 won with 55% of the vote. We saw that some people voted for the minimum wage increase and did not vote for the presidential election. So we're seeing that raising wages is not entirely dependent these days on what party one person is aligned with, And we hope that those ballot victories will make it clear to Republicans and Democrats in Congress that it's time to raise wages across the board for everyone and... That, as I mentioned, there are 21 states that have not raised wages in recent and years. That's not gonna,
0: yeah, that's not going to help the situation.
1: Laura, thank you for being
0: with us. Mm-hmm. Laura Louisa, staff attorney of the National Employment Law Project. That's Nelt. Follow them on Twitter at NELP News. Follow the Fight for Fifteen at Fight Four One Five. The website NELP dot org and Fight for Fifteen dot org.